I've been talking about what faith is, and then we talked about how faith works. But faith has a definite outcome. And so we're going to talk about where faith takes us. Uh, you see, uh, our Christian life is a progressive journey. We, we are called in the book of Acts the people of the way. We are on the move. We are going somewhere. It, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are moved by this inner conviction that propels us and makes us aware of realities that our natural senses cannot detect. We're going somewhere. It says in, in Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is like the shining sun. That's your path. That's your destiny. It's like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. We're not living a stationary life, just stay, being still. No, we are going somewhere. It's a progressive journey. It, it says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, your faith is increasing abundantly. That means you have the faith all along, but the more you exercise that, the more you flex your faith muscle, it gets stronger. And, and there's an example given to us in Scripture. There's a particular person from the Old Covenant that is used consistently as an example and as an illustration about uh, walking by faith. I'm talking about Abraham. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 4. The righteousness of faith, which he, that's referring to Abraham, had while uncircumcised. That, that's very important. So we're not talking about Abraham as living under the old covenant. We're talking about Abraham, uh, you know, before he had made that all-out commitment to God. But even before that, before he was circumcised, uh, it says he had righteousness of faith. He believed God so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to him or to them who also follow in the steps of the faith of our Father. Look at that right there. Follow in the steps of the faith of our Father Abraham. And, and so we're going to talk about those steps today, those steps of faith, that we are going somewhere. And uh, these steps are all voluntary. It's a choice. You, you don't have to walk by faith if you don't want to. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. And I say like this, faith is a gift to use as prompted by Christ if you wish. So, so remember, faith is a gift of God. It's not of ourselves. And faith works by Christ, so we can't do it independently of Christ. But even when, when the Christ is urging us, you have a choice. You participate as you wish. Now, each step of faith we take with God, we always step away from something lesser and step into something greater. There's a trade-off. That's life. You know, when you pursue a certain education, that means you have to leave the other options behind. When you get married, you leave all the other options behind. When you pursue one career, you leave the other career options behind. Life is like that. It's a trade-off. And so God gives us opportunities as seen in the life of Abraham to walk by faith 
Again, it's our choice. We can cooperate. And here it said that, that we are among those who follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham. So let's, let's look at some of those. Faith takes us out of spiritual ignorance. That's where Abraham's journey starts. He was living in a city called Ur. Uh, most of the people, to the best of our knowledge, were worshipers of the moon. There's all kinds of uh, debauchery uh, going on in the city of Ur. It was a part of Chaldea or Mesopotamia. And, and so God revealed himself to Abraham there. It, it very much similar, like maybe when you and I first received Christ. We didn't know much. We, we, there were many things in the Bible we didn't understand, but God revealed himself to us. So, so in that sense, the first step of faith uh, that Abraham takes is when God says, I want you to leave here where you are and I'm taking you to some better place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your own country. And, and so Abraham steps out of ignorance. He, he was in a place of total darkness. That's what happened to you and I. Before we were born again, we couldn't even see the kingdom of God. But now suddenly we recognize Christ is real and we begin to see kingdom opportunities. You know, it says in, in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, that, that, that word of God reference is not primarily to the 66 books of the Bible because most of those weren't written yet or many of them were not written yet when, when those words were spoken. But it's, it's about the living word, the word who became flesh which is the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, you know, many times when the Bible refers to itself the Bible, it doesn't call itself the Bible. It calls itself the Scriptures. They preached the Scriptures, and they, they showed from the Scriptures. But the Word, especially in the book of Acts, is a reference to Jesus Christ. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the first step of faith is, now he didn't have to obey God. He had a choice. But by faith, he says, I'm leaving this place of darkness. This is like how we were. It's like our Nicodemus experience. We were born again. It says in Ephesians 2.12, at that time you were without Christ, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so, so this is what happened. You, you came to Christ. You, you stepped into the light. And now the faith of God was activated in you. You remember our previous teachings when I said that we have received the same faith that Simon Peter had by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when you receive Christ's righteousness, you receive faith. And, and, and so he moves out. But then he, Abraham stops. Sometimes that happens to us. We get slowed down. Do you ever feel like maybe you walk in faith you're not quite where you were thinking you would be. He stops at a place called Haran. Let's read about this. Acts chapter 7 records this. God appeared to Abraham and said to him, go from your country and from your relatives. That's back when he was in Mesopotamia. Come to the land which I will show you. And then he left the land of the Chaldeans. He left that place that I say is a metaphor for spiritual ignorance. And he settled in Haran. No, God never told him to do that, but he just did that. He stopped. Sometimes that's what we do. And then he says, 
and, and, and from there he moved after his father died. God made him move to this country in which you are now living. And, and so who was Abraham's father? His name was Terah. Terah literally means delay. Sometimes things happen in our life that causes us to be delayed. I don't know why Abraham was delayed in Haran. Why did he stop? Maybe his father, Terah, said, well, I, I don't want to go any further. And, you know, we, we love our parents. We don't want to dishonor them. So we don't know what, whatever. For some years, he stopped in Haran. But I believe this is a, this is a picture. This is a metaphor. And, and it shows us how traditions and allegiances can tie us down. So I say what we see in Abraham is after this slowdown that faith empowers Abraham and us to leave traditions that hinder us. It says that there are traditions of man that make the word of God of no effect. That's the reference to the gospel of Mark that you see there. And, and so, of course, Abraham loved his father and, and for some reason he just, nothing seemed to happen. He wasn't going forward. But then there was this urging and he took a step of faith and he says, I'm, I'm leaving Haran as well. I don't know if that's speaking prophetically to you. Could there be attachments, securities, associations, maybe things that you hold on to? You know, I realize in my own spiritual journey, I've had taken many steps of faith. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my mother and father. They taught me many beautiful things about God. But as I've been walking along, knowing Christ better, growing in the knowledge of Jesus, there are many things I've had to walk away from. Sometimes when I look back, I realize how many prejudices I had growing up and in the church situation where I was, negative attitudes, how there was so little anticipation that God would do anything. I had to break away from that. We had a very negative view on money, that any reference to money was just evil and unspiritual, and, and, and that was for ungodly people. And, and I had to walk away from that because when I began to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I also grew in my understanding how money finances is a tool to accomplish God's purposes. But each one of those were steps, you know, sin. When I, where I come from, where I grew up, sin was always a reference to a broken rule. You did something wrong. And so I live with that. That's what I preach. Sin is a broken rule. You break God's rules. But then I got a revelation on the parables of Jesus. And I realized that what Jesus focused on was not sin being a broken rule, but sin being a broken relationship. So I had to kind of walk away from my old concept because, you know, if, if sin can be defined as broken rules, then salvation is that the most saved person is the best one, uh, a rule keeper. Uh, but but if, if, if sin is like what Jesus shared in many of his parables and teaching, it's a broken relationship, then salvation is a restored relationship with a God who is eternally committed to love you. There were many times in my life I had to make a choice. I looked at it. I let the searchlight of the Bible shine on the traditions. And at first I held on to them. I didn't want to let go. But then God gave me the ability by faith to say, look at, look at here what's revealed. Believe that. 
believe what you see in the revelation of Jesus. So it helps us to walk away uh, from traditions. Then faith frees us from self-imposed limitations. You know, some limitations we have, they could be natural limitations. Obviously, we all have those, but there are some, I'm talking about limitations that we impose on ourselves. This is what happened to Abraham. He couldn't see God's possibilities. Let me read from Genesis 13, 5. Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. Now, Lot was Abraham's nephew. Now, Abraham, God never said, Abraham, bring your nephew with you. He said, he said get away from your relatives. But, but Abraham wasn't totally obedient there. He'd brought all the relatives along. You know, in the Hebrew language or in the language of the day, lot means a veil or a covering. I choose to interpret that metaphorically. It means as long as lot was there, he couldn't see clearly. Look, look what happened. It, it was like Abraham had a blockage. I, I read from verse six, uh, the, the land could not support both of them. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. There was lack, the land couldn't support them, and then strife. In other words, the pressure is mounting. Sometimes when pressure is mounting, it means that our spiritual vision is impaired. We haven't yet fully seen everything that God has prepared for us in Christ. So the pressure mounts and we may think, oh, that's wrong. I'm praying against that pressure. But it could be the Lord speaking to us uh, to strengthen our spiritual vision. Maybe we have a lot we have something attached to us or we are, have associations that hinder our spiritual vision. That's why it's so important, uh, even what teaching you listen to. And then it says like this, verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me. Is the entire land not before you? Please separate from me. If you choose to left, I'll go to the right. And if you choose to right, then I go to the left. Here you have a beautiful <laughs> illustration of how faith works. Faith is always generous. Faith is not about hoarding. It is take all I can. You see, Abraham could have said that. He said, I'm the boss here. You're, you're, you're the underling. You're just my nephew. Uh, but he says, no, no, I'll be generous. Uh, let it go. Sometimes, you, you see, it's a test of who is your source. And for, for Abraham, he's thinking, he sees, uh, you know, uh, he, he says, I should just give him one of the real rocky areas where there's not much chance of agriculture. But he says, no, no, it's all before you. Pick whatever you want. Then he says, verse 10, Lot raised his eyes and saw all the vicinity of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself. (laughs) He he said, "I, I want it. All the vicinity of Jordan. In a sense, uh, and then they separated from each other. In a sense, Lot is a picture of what the New Testament calls a carnal person, a person who doesn't see spiritual realities. It's all about what I can do, what I can accomplish. I'm going to take the best for myself. So he takes that. And Abraham, let's go. He didn't have to. See, faith is always a choice. You have faith. You have faith whether you use it or not. You have faith. God gave you faith when you received Christ. Faith was activated in you. But here, Abraham could have stood his ground and says, no, I'm going to have it my way. Don't you know, I'm, I'm, I'm first in line here. But he made a choice to let go. Oh, because he says, I know who my source is. 
And uh, the Bible is full of examples like that. Look at Esther. Remember, she was like the, she won the Miss Persia contest. She was to be queen. I mean, she had pretty good because she was like a slave girl from an oppressed nation. And suddenly she was a queen. Pretty good success. Seemed like her destiny was going pretty good. But then she received the call. You need to intervene on behalf of your people, the Jewish nation. And she maybe hesitated. But then she said, if I perish, I perish. So be it. In other words, she had a pretty good life. But God had something even better for her. And she had to let go of the lesser. Look at Paul. You know, he was a member of what they call the religious Sanhedrin council. He had a great career in front of him as a religious leader. But he chose something greater. Because you know that ultimately God is my source. Then, then he says like this. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot, after Lot had separated, notice that, after Lot, after the veil, after the covering had separated from him, now raise your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. Now, what I said, the, the reason I pointed out after, once that spiritual limitation, that blockage, that veil is gone, now you can see. So after Lot is gone, says, now after that has happened, now, now, now lift up your eyes. Now, now I'll show you something. And, and, and then he says, I will make your descendants as plentiful as the dust of the earth. So if anyone can count the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be counted. Arise and walk about the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. It's like the new covenant version of that is all things are yours. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. And if you are Christ, then everything is yours. But as long as Abraham has this spiritual blockage, he can't see it. Can't see it. That's how many Christians are. That they're still holding on to things that block your vision. Now, it's up to you. It's your choice. You know, Abraham didn't have to make the decision he did. God still loved him. And whatever choice you make, God still loves you. But, but what I want to say is this. Here's an important truth about faith. Faith does not create the blessing. The blessing is there all along. The land, north, south, east, and west, it was there all along. The opportunities, walk the width and the length of it, it was there all the time. But Abraham didn't see it. So, so sometimes people say, well, I'm going to create my blessing through faith. No, your faith doesn't create any blessing. No, the blessing is already provided in Christ. Whether you see that blessing or not, that's, that's another thing. But the blessing is there. People say, well, I'm going to, by my words, I'm going to create my future. Now, it's true that once you see what Christ has done, you begin to speak by faith, but your words don't create your destiny or your future. It's already created in Jesus Christ. <laughs> he has already put the whole thing into motion. Let, let, let me give you an illustration here. If I was to say to you, I went to your house and there's a rock in the backyard there and I put a million dollars in crisp $100 bills in a little briefcase and I dug a hole under the rock and I put it there. It's there for you. 
And I would say, I'm never going to take it away. I'm not playing games with you. That $1 million in $100 crisp bills, it's there. Now, once I say it's there, it's there whether you dig it up or not. You may say, well, I don't like Peter Youngren in the first place. Well, that's your choice. <laughs> but the money is still there. You might say, well, I don't see the point of digging a hole and putting it there. I just don't understand that, so I'm not going to bother with that. That's your choice. But the money is still there. You could say, well, if, if, if I was giving away a million dollars, I wouldn't do it like that, so I, I'm not going to go around there and, 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 and look under that rock. I believe if I was supposed to get it, they'll just arrive on the front porch. Well, well, you could do that, but it's still there. It's still there. That's how it is with what God has for you. It's there. It's there. Salvation the healing that God has provided, wisdom in, in every area of life, decisions concerning relationships and finances, God's wisdom, it's all there. It's all there. Now, whether you believe it's there or not, it's up to you. Just like the land was there for the taking, just because Abraham couldn't see it. It wasn't like when God said, go now look at the land that God created the land. It was there all along. Abraham didn't see it. And that's the same with the blessing of God. Whatever God has for us, for me, for you, it is there. It is irreversibly there. And whatever excuses I would make, well, that's up to me. That's my choice. And what I'm saying to you today, I'm not trying to push you to take a step of faith. You do whatever you want. It's up to you. But I'm saying God has given you faith. And God has provided destiny and life and maybe greater things than you have ever experienced. You can say, I, I don't I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's up to you. But what God has done is there for you. And so Abraham, by faith, he saw what God had provided. You know, faith enables us to handle our mistakes. Abraham made a terrible mistake. Ishmael, now still turned out good, and Ishmael became a father of, of many nations. But God had promised Abraham a child, and he waited for years. Seemed to be no logic in it. Him and Sarah, his wife, they, they were beyond a childbearing years. So they said, we got to help the Lord a little bit. You know the story. And they got the concubine woman called Hagar and, and Sarah kind of endorsed it and they had sexual relationship. And Ishmael was born. And, 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 and this child was produced and, 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 and Abraham had faith to deal with that. Here's what I want to tell you. Faith enables you to deal with your failures and mistakes. Now, you don't have to deal with them. You can just live in your mistakes. You can just spend 30, 40 years, just go over and over. Oh, if only that hadn't happened. Or I remember back when, and you know, I just wish, I just wish, if I only could have done it differently. You can live like that. God still loves you. But I'm announcing to you, faith enables you to handle and move beyond your mistakes. I don't know what your mistake is. Maybe some wrong assessment. Maybe you got into business with the wrong person. Maybe you got emotionally involved in something that you shouldn't be emotionally involved with. You can go to that person and say, brother, we're not going to do business together anymore. Well, I couldn't do that. No faith will enable you to do that. 
Maybe, maybe you, you got all stubborn and a little bit puffed up and saying you bought this car that you really shouldn't have bought some gas guzzling monster that breaks down all the time. And you said, God wanted me to have it. And now it's driving, your credit card is filled up. You know, God can give you faith to deal with that. Deal with your mistake. You know, Saul didn't make a lot of mistakes. King Saul I'm talking about. But he didn't know how to deal with it. David because of God's love and faith in his heart, had a lot of mistakes, more, much more than Saul. And, and, and faith through the love of God enabled him to move beyond those. It, it says like this, Genesis 21, Abraham got up early and took bread and, skin, and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent them away. It was a tough thing for Abraham. He didn't want to do that. But, but God then promised Abraham he's going to take care of them. And God did. It was beautiful. This is nothing against Hagar and Ishmael. God took care of them. But, but then Paul tells us that there's a metaphor in here, that what happened there is a metaphor for systemic religion in contrast to the gospel. That, that Abraham is a picture of us. Remember, we're walking in the footsteps of Abraham. And Sarah, his wife, is a picture of the gospel of God's grace and and, and, and Hagar and Ishmael is a picture of what we can produce ourselves by a religious effort. It's a picture of, of our self-effort. And, and then it says in Galatians 4.10, when Paul talks about this, he says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. That's not a mean thing just to throw people out of your house or something. He says it's symbolic. Paul uses that word. He says it's symbolic. He, he, he says, get rid of the systemic religion that keeps you in bondage, that makes you self-focused, makes you think what you can produce, what you can make happen, and instead cast yourself headlong into the grace of God, into the mercy of God, into the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so that, that's what happens here. Abraham experiences this. He's able to leave that behind. And, and, and we do the same. So I say faith takes us from systemic religion into gospel liberty. Let me, let me give you some gospel statements here. I got to wrap this up. God is totally on your side and has negotiated a great deal for you in Jesus. That's the gospel. See, religion says God's against you. You better straighten things out. You better make things right with God. You better deal with your sin. But the gospel says, no, God's never was against you. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, he didn't have an ax to grind with them. He always loved them. We had an ax to grind with God maybe, but God not with us. And he has negotiated something beautiful for us. It's available to you. See, this idea that, that, that God is, is angry and there's this religion shop that's open 24-7 and people go there with their guilt and shame. That shop is closed and the free gift is available to you. Here's another one. We preach salvation by grace through faith, not by frightening people to get their act together. That, that's how we have moved. You know, there was a time in my life where I thought I had to frighten people, do a little finger wagging at them to get them to receive Christ. But I found that love is a much greater motivation. Here's something else. Salvation is God's gift to everyone. But for many around the world, it remains a mystery to be revealed in Christ. You know, that's a pretty good, look at that, look at that. Pretty good description of the gospel. It's, it's, salvation is not for a select few chosen, it's for everyone. 
Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. But to many, it's a hidden mystery in Christ. That's why we preach Christ. So that this mystery that is hidden to people will be revealed. Wow, this is good news. Do you hear how I make these? Uh, let me, I got to finish here. Faith, much more could be said about that. Forgive me. Faith helps us to know God as a friend. Here comes the last step of faith, supposedly. Maybe there were others in Abraham's life. God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, to the land of Moriah and offer him there. Isaac was what God had given to Abraham. So now he takes a step and he surrenders even that which he loves. He loved Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise. Of course, God didn't really want him to offer Isaac. He was testing his willingness. I want to say one of the greatest steps of faith is when we say, Jesus, all for you. Not only do I walk away from sin and shame and accept what you have done for me, but Lord, even the things I love, I lay them at your feet. I had an experience over 20 years ago now. You know, I love preaching the gospel. I've seen God do wonders and miracles. But there was a time in my life when I said, Jesus, if you want me to quit, if you want me to finish and stop preaching, I'm willing to do it. But I'm still going to love you. I'm going to love you. And uh, I'm describing now in a few moments what took hours. And I heard Jesus say to me, if you'll walk with me, I'll show you more of myself. He didn't even answer my question. He didn't take me up on my offer. And hope came. And it says in James 2, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. That's where faith will take you to a place where you say, I'm not afraid of God. I, these grotesque views of God as the great chief of police in the sky are gone. And I see God is my friend. He's on my side. Oh, that's wonderful. If you want to receive that, you don't have to. You don't have to. God's calling you. But you can make a choice right now and say, I want to receive this.